Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that fabulous? I feel kind of anticlimactic to get up here after all that awesome dance, but God, you're good. You'll come through, right? Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Ah, wonderful. You know, um, Hannah, come on up here and join me. I'm so stirred to pray for this Russian family. Can you guys stand up? Um, Does everybody know these people? Okay, because this is, uh, I don't even know them real well, but (laughs) I really felt to bless. Maybe some of those around, can you just turn around? There is such a hunger on this family that is exemplary for everyone else. They're a hungry family. They want God. They love God. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in them. I thank you, Father, for the fire of God in this family, in this Russian-speaking family. God, I ask for even the embracing, even of this community, of those that come in their midst that are not born in England, they're not born in the UK, because God is going to give you more and more of people like this. They're not born in this country, but the Lord is bringing them into this country for such a time as this. Just like that Christine over there, born in America, but God is bringing uh, ones to help build the kingdom in the UK. So Father, I thank you for this family, that they're helped to, they're called to build the kingdom in the UK, they're called to build the kingdom right here in England, and we acknowledge the anointing on their lives. We thank you, Father, for these children that are set apart, these children that are very unique, the unique calling on these children, radical lovers of God, more than their normal age group, and God, that you're making them in many ways a model, and you're going to bring more and more Russian-speaking people into the community here. You're going to bring more people from Eastern Europe, and I just want to bless the embracing. Where where are more Eastern Europe people? Uh, the guy in front is, right, from the Czech Republic. Who else? Eastern European people, if you're here, can you stand? Because I just sense God is going to bring more and more Eastern European people, Father, into um, this area, into pool area. Father, we just speak blessing. We speak blessing. And I, and I just, I think I'm saying this publicly to say to the rest of you, open wide your arms. Open wide the embrace for the ones that God gives you. Because, you know, sometimes we can complain about immigration. Oh, God, they're letting the Muslims in or whatever. Guess what? God's also bringing people in that are kingdom builders. God is bringing in ones that, that he has appointed to uh, help in the harvest of souls in this region. So, Father, I just speak blessing, blessing, blessing into the Eastern Europeans, unto this family, and say, kingdom of God come, will of God be dumb. Encourage them today. Give them more, even financial breakthrough. Oh, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Um, I just had this feeling, so I'm just going to process as I'm on the mic. Um, I just had this feeling of God just wanting to reconnect with your with your first love, with reconnecting with Him. So I just Whoa. want you to stand up. If oh, I feel like I'm going to cry. So oh, yeah. I want you to stand up if you feel like you've lost that first yeah. love, that kind of connection with Whoa. Jesus. That or yeah. even if you if you've never had that, I've just yeah, like that head over heels falling in such yeah. intimate love with Jesus because I really feel like yeah. He wants to encounter you today. So if you just want to stand up, if it's anyone else. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I I just ask right now that you just just send your son Jesus just to come and just to touch the hearts of these ones here. And I just ask that you just come and you give them that bridegroom experience, that you just touch their hearts. And we just ask right now that you reawaken love, that you reawaken that first love, that love, that hunger, that desire for you, that that thing that, you know, just so burns, that so longs, that so desires, just a touch from, from the king, just a, just a glance. And I'm just, I just want to speak over to you that your, your gaze, your affection, your, your look towards Jesus moves his heart. He is so touched by your gaze. He is so touched by your love. And just to keep pressing in because he adores you. And I just want to just say, I don't speak over you that you are going to fall in love again, that you're just going to have that love reawakened in you and that Jesus is chasing after you. He's calling out over you. And I really believe that there is, there is an encounter that is ready and it's here and it's for now. And I was just so moved. My heart just, just felt the love of Jesus so deeply. And I just really believe that that's for you and there is an encounter. And I just bless you to just go deeper with him. Yes, come on. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Heather had a word in the pre-service prayer about just leaping forward. And it really is time to take leaps of faith. 
And so I just want to encourage that. There's a gal at the back with a pretty little, it's a dress, but she also has leggings on. Does anybody know her name? Yeah, you. Shout out your name. You know, I just want to encourage that that word that, um, who had the word about the fire? That was Josie, wasn't it? About the fire on the seats or whatever. That is a word for you. Actually, Josie's right there. Josie, can you lay hands on her? That is a word for you, that that creative anointing, inside of you. God is revisiting things that were there even from childhood or dreams that have been put on the shelf and that you haven't had faith to believe for them. And God is saying, yes and amen. I gave you dreams. I have given you visions. I have given you true dreams and visions. And so it's time to get them off the shelf and believe that there's a a now timing for you. And so the Lord um, redeems time. He redeems time. Even where you think you're behind time, you're, you're not on time. God says, I redeem time. I re- time doesn't hold God, okay? He's just this creator of time. So, Father, so I thank you for redemption of time, and I thank you, God, that that creative, prophetic, that word was for many more, but that word's for you. Take it off the shelf, fire in your bones, and that prophetic, creative anointing inside of you is coming forth a new levels. We say yes, God. Just fill her with your presence. Um, I also had a word for anyone that is feels like they're called to mission or to the mission field or short-term mission, long-term mission, or if you are a missionary of any sort, if you want to stand up, oh. there's anyone in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really feel like um, God just wants... There's, I, I kind of felt it last night, but I couldn't figure out quite what it was. But I feel it again today. And I really believe that God just wants to break your heart. I feel like there's, um, there's, I just see a lot of people, a lot of you sitting in the dust and prioritizing your time, just sat in the dirt, in the dust, just prioritizing that time. And I just see your heart just breaking for the one in front of you, for breaking for you. And I just want to bless that compassion that you, that compassion you have inside of you. But I also feel like there is something in the spirit at the moment for, um, for like finances and favor and yeah. opportunities. And so what I want you to do is, yeah. if you know the place that you want to go, I want you to just ask God and tell him now what it is because I believe that in the spirit there is um, doors opening, there's flights being booked for you, there's opportunities that are opening up right now, but he wants to know where you want to go, he wants to know when you want to go, and he wants to know how long because I really believe that there's going to be financial yeah. help come to you, that actually you're not even going to have to pay a penny and that flights are going to be booked. I keep hearing that flights are going to be booked for you so tell him where you want to go tell him when you want to go because I really believe that there's something in the spirit that's just calling you forth and I just feel like there's finances coming and there's finances coming and that you're not even gonna um like see the money go you're just gonna see it just stay the same um I just uh I keep feeling like actually you're gonna almost pay for things but your bank account's gonna stay the same and so I just want to bless that over you that actually to be surprised by the way that God can financially surprise you and um and be expectant for something but I also want to bless that compassion that's in you to go and go to the ones go to the ones that don't know Jesus yet the ones that are in trouble and I bless the healing hands that you carry and I bless you to just yeah to to see the ones and be broken for the one in front of you amen free flights who wants to take that one I just had a testimony about that yes I was in Jersey this week, and I was prophesying over this girl about going, and she just emailed me last night and said, a family with a boatload of air miles from British Airways has donated all their air miles to her. Somebody say, hallelujah. I mean, we'll take that. Yay. Well, um, it's an amazing thing to be back here in this house that God has just so blessed Phil and Heather and the ministry. And so, Father, we thank you for what you're doing and say more, Lord. I want to give uh, just a quick synopsis of some of the things that I was sharing uh, with the leadership or with others this week about what I was seeing. I just want to bless a revival center. I want to bless a real equipping, equipping like schools. Wow, even schools of dance and schools of worship and even coming media schools and just such an anointing on the place and anointing for schools and equipping. And I want to bless what God is doing in there and how he keeps confirming these world words. And I want to encourage you that God is going to give you a building, a bigger building. And I submit this, but I saw building like new building, like as in construction, as in hard helmet, as in 
hammer and nails. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you for the finances. We thank you, God, that you are expanding Lighthouse. You're expanding the ministry. It's not time to go back. It's time to go forward. Father, I was specifically to right timing, God, timing for the building and timing for the land in the location and the timing. Lord, you hold the, the, the boundaries as acts. I think it's Acts 10 that says that, you know, the boundaries and our time. So God, the time and the property and the finances, we agree because you are building something that's larger than, it's larger than just a church. It's really a revival center and an equipping center, apostolic equipping center. I saw like a village, you know, just like, um, community, community, community of people that even that they'll be live in schools and live in dormitories and whatnot, that God was going to really cause this thing to grow. And I blessed the launch of the house of prayer, just the house of prayer, just sustained by prayer, uh, initiated by prayer, bathed in prayer and worship. God's given you extraordinary worshipers and uh, anointed musicians and singers going to bring you more. And so father, I just thank you for that, that worship center in the music schools that also be part of it. And this whole thing of a risk taking faith walk. And I just want to bless you to expect, rely on miracles. Okay. Cause God just loves to prove himself in the miraculous. So expect miracles. I think we need to shout or something. You feel too quiet in here. Somebody shout. Jesus. Yay. Come on, Jesus. We say yes. Lord, we sh- yeah, just for a few minutes, just speak in tongues, sing in tongues. Lord, yes, God, your will, your way, your will, your way. Stir up vision, God. Stir up faith. Stir up faith in the house, God. Stir up faith for more. Stir up faith for what you're doing. Stir it up, God. Stirred up in the hearts of your people that there is much more to come. There is much more to come. Lord, you're causing there to be such breakthrough. And this building and this equipping center, the house of prayer, training for reigning, training for reigning. Could you just quickly share that word? Because I do believe that's significant about the, yeah, the leap. This morning, um, I was reading in the beginning of the gospel where Jesus said, Now is the time. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe. And I had a real stirring inside of me about the urgency of the hour to end delay, to end hesitation, to end holding back. And immediately after that, he called his disciples and the words when he said, come follow me, it would say, without delay, immediately. In the urgency of a response of faith. And um, so when we were in the prayer room, I felt the Lord reminding me of this and stirring it and saying, today, now is the time for us to take a huge step forward. So I did this crazy thing and said, I'm going to do this as a prophetic act. I am going to take the biggest step I can possibly take. And so with my new boots on, I went big step forward, big step forward. But I feel today that there are some people that need to do that. They need to do that in their response, in their hearts to the call of the Lord Jesus. They've been faffing about. And I wrote in my journal, stop faffing about. Take a big step. You know, don't mess about with, you know, kind of having the, the name of a Christian, but not living the lifestyle. Take the big step of faith and do it. Was that right? Right. Is that a word? It's in the dictionary. Wow, amazing. Come on, that's a word from God. You agree? Yeah, it really is. It is. It's time to go forward. There's an urgency of the hour. It is just such an incredible uh, hastening of events in the world. You can just look around you. Just read scripture, read the prophecies, and see what's happening. Even in the world, darkness, you know, is 
getting darker, but the light is lighter, and the light always overcomes the darkness. Hallelujah. You've got a completely dark room. You put on a light, and what? That darkness flees, right? So come on. God is good. Well, I have a message I'm going to speak, and um, I, I, uh, the, I wrote a book called uh, Raising Burning Ones. It's Parenting and Mentoring Next Generation Lovers of God. It's out next month in, in print. should be next month. And anyways, but I, I felt like the Lord, the first time I've spoken on this was actually last week, but I felt God say to speak this message today and don't check out in case you're like, you know, past child rearing years or something, because this is actually for all of us, because I believe that every one of us is called to influence others for the glory of God. Many times they will be, you know, people younger than us, but maybe not. They might be just younger in the spirit. You can mentor people. My daughter, when she was 15, led an end time study group that 65 year olds attended and she was 15. She was mentoring them in the study of the end times. So we can mentor people. We're all called to mentor people. And so I I feel there's components of this message that have to do certainly with parenting, but also with mentoring. And can I also preface this with saying I have six children. I do not say that I have perfect children, okay? <laughs> I kind of warned my kids, said, okay, you guys, if you don't think you're under a microscope now for being PKs, you're going to be under a microscope when my book on parenting comes out, you know, and all your stories are in there. They don't even know what's all in there, actually. They do have, con- every one of the kids has a contributing uh, a contributing article testimony in it, Uh but I have one son, I have five daughters. My son is married. He has two, two children of his own, two sons. I have one special needs daughter. She's 16 years old. And that is a whole other element of, of the challenge in parenting. You know, some of it is you learn out of pain. You learn out of trial. So I'm going to share some things. But I want to say this. I want to share quickly a story. I had, this when my, for only had two kids at this point. Judah, about two and a half maybe two and whatever. My daughter, Gabriel, was about nine months. And I remember Judah had to go pee really badly. And I was in a, in a, in a department store and I had Gabriel in the little, you know, the little thing that you can put the kids in. You have them here too, right? The grocery cart that has the little seat in it. And so I'm like, oh, you know, toilet training. Oh, Judah, we got to get to the bathroom really fast. So I kind of wheel to the bathroom and then just run in with him to get to him to the, to the toilet real fast and came out a few minutes later. Oh, and realized I had left little nine-month-old Gabriel in the cart outside the bathroom. I'm like, oh no, I felt horrible. Like I'm thinking, oh no, God, like she could have fell out, cracked her head. She could have been kidnapped. I actually forgot about her. And I'm like, I'm feeling horrible. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm just like saying to her, I'm so sorry. Because her little face, you know, was like looking for me. She wasn't crying, but she was like, where's mom? You know, just disappeared on me. And and I was just so, I was so horrified at myself. And I was like, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And the Lord interrupted my self-berating with a clear word from God. And he said this, Patricia, I cover your mistakes. I cover your mistakes. And so I want to say that right here because maybe, you know, even as I speak in this thing, you're going to think, oh man, I should have done that differently. I should have done that differently. God covers our mistakes. And you know, the great thing about God is he also redeems. I want to encourage, I want to encourage parents here. There may be times where, well, there certainly is times where we need to say to our kids, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I could have done it better. So I'm sorry for sins of omission, things I didn't do that I should have done. I'm sorry for things of commission, things I did do that I shouldn't have done. And likewise, it'd be great to have that backwards, you know, where the kids, you know, it's the, the as Malachi talks about, where the, the heart of the fathers turn towards the children, the heart of the children turn towards the fathers. That there would be such a, I believe God is so uniting us as generations to walk together in the things of God, together for his end time purposes. And so he wants to remove anything that has been a hurt or a pain or whatever. He wants to remove any sense of disunity. So Lord, we ask that you would come in power. We thank you. Let the word of the Lord run swiftly, God. I'm asking for the anointing to preach apostolically, God. I'm asking for hearts to be stirred. I ask for a great awakening, God. 
in this place. Wake us up. Wake us up in the spirit. Wake us up in the region. And God, I ask for the anointing even in this house for parenting and mentoring because there's such an anointing on this house for children and youth. God, the ones that are here, but the ones that you're bringing as well, raising up a generation of radical lovers that help to just take off in the things of the spirit. So Lord, let your word run swiftly in Jesus name. Well, again, whether or not you're a parent, this is about also mentoring. You know, the Jews highly valued uh, the proclamation or the perpetuation of, of the cultural values. For example, their favorite verse of the Jewish culture is Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 7. They say this over and over again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Obviously, Jesus quoted that in the great commandment. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently. Say, teach them diligently. To your children, and talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Similarly, the scriptures are full of examples of mentoring. Jesus mentored 12 ragtag group of ex-fishermen, ex uh, tax collectors that turned the world upside down. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4, it is 4 verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. God is wanting to raise up mentors, fathers, mothers in this place to mentor and train up those who don't have healthy families, those who are not raised in Christianity, those who need a kind word and beyond. You know, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me about, he said, um, this was not abdicating parenting, but he said, you take care of my kids and I'll take care of yours. Now, what he was saying to me is go when I say go, stay when I say stay, do what I've called you to do in the area of ministry, and I will make sure that your children turn out the way that I've called them to do. You fulfill your calling, and they will fulfill their calling. And so one of the things that uh, I have noticed is, yes, I have been uh, a mentor to many. I have, uh, we've had so many interns in Stratford alone. We had 55 different interns that came to us and were trained up, raised up. Many of them have planted churches or they're leading houses of prayer or they're, you know, they're just amazing people taking jobs and pastoral jobs or whatnot. But if I look at it now, um, I'm thinking about how much my kids are my older kids being, they're so being mentored by some amazing people. Like the favor on my children is amazing. How, um, like my one daughter, uh, Gabriel, I'm bragging, I realize, so sorry. I got the microphone. I'm sure you could do this too for your kids. But um, she graduated from IHOPU in um, International House of Prayer University in Kansas City in May. And somebody told me afterwards, they said, we have never, ever seen this before. When some kid that goes through the university, five major uh, senior leaders in Kansas City all said the same thing. We have to hire this kid. That was Mike Bickle, Daniel Lim, Stuart Greaves, Misty Edwards, and David Slyker all said, we have to hire this Canadian kid. So they're getting their lawyers to do the visas. Now, how many know that's favor? That is favor. But you see, it's like God has said to me, what you've invested also in other people. I'm raising up mentors for your kids who take your kids higher. And so there's a sowing and reaping principle. There is a sowing and reaping principle. Even as we sow into generations, we sow into, guess what? Sometimes it's inconvenient. Hello. It's sometimes inconvenient. It really is. Like it's sometimes you got to, oh man, I really don't feel like solving this problem of this, you know, boyfriend problem or whatever, but here we go. And so it is that God is saying, this is what it's about. This is what Christianity is about, is raising up, training up, making disciples, so this is something that the Lord is putting upon all of us about spiritual parenting. You know, uh, I want to encourage you about the whole thing of a biblical worldview as opposed to a cultural worldview. Because our culture, I want to, I'm going to challenge some things today in the culture. By the way, any cleanup, any problems, Phil and Heather, yay, right here, right here. Because I'm flying out today, okay? I got to zoom out of here. And so all problems go to them, and I'm really happy with that. That's the great thing about being a speaker. I love it. I know I have it, I have it in my, my church too, but 
All right, but the biblical worldview is different than the cultural worldview. Come on. Do you know that um, Socrates, uh, Plato, Aristotle, Aristotle mentored um, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered much of the modern world at that time, setting up Hellenistic centers, which had to do basically with reasoning, the age of reasoning, logic. If you don't see it, touch it, feel it, it's not that important, you know, in the scientific age as well. The whole thing of angels and demons and hell and heaven, well, just kind of went out the door insignificance as a worldview. Now that worldview is perpetuated in the church. And so I am challenging today that there are things that we have believed and there's things that we have lived by that have not been biblical. All right. Biblical. We've just bought into culture. And so I am saying, I believe it's a return to the biblical way of doing things. And so, um, you know, we may have differences of opinion, but just let the Holy Spirit lead you. Well, first of all, principles. I want to give a few principles of parenting and mentoring. Number one, be a model. Number one, live it. Live it, live it, live it. You cannot um, speak and do something totally different and expect your kids to follow your words. They will follow your example. You are the message. You're the message. So one of the greatest gifts that you can give your children is a healthy marriage. One of the greatest things that you can give your spouse is a healthy you. And I am a big I'm a big believer in inner healing. I, I, I get inner healing. I'm going again for some more inner healing. I've had lots of inner healing. I believe in it. We have Restoring the Foundations Ministry, a ministry of inner healing, inner healing that's based out of our church. Actually, the foundation for it is in Hendersonville, North Carolina, but the Canadian version is from our church. So we really believe in this stuff. And I have seen the difference in my life from having faced some of the stuff from the past and gotten healing. For example, generational curses. There's a big one because we don't want propagated in our marriages and in our children the things that our grandmother and our grandfather and our great-grandfather passed down to us. Hello. My father was one of 16 children born in Holland. His dad was very abusive and used to lock my dad in the, in the barn and, and abuse him. And then my uh, dad was a very abusive man, and he didn't know how to really love, and thank God he got saved when I was about 14, and he, he's a very different man now. He's 84 years old, and the Lord has restored our relationship, but I went through a lot. My siblings went through a lot growing up, and I look at my, the fact that I had this abusive grandfather, 16 children, 12, 12 daughters, 11 of the 12 uh, aunts, my aunts, 11 of the 12 daughters, uh, daughters of this man, all married mean, unkind, abusive men. Does anybody think that's a family pattern? My sister divorced a nice guy and married a mean guy. I was on, on track, you know, um, with that. And thank God the Lord interrupted me before uh, marriage. But I, I tell you, those are family patterns. Divorce is a family pattern. Abortion can be a family pattern. Giving birth to children out of wedlock can be family patterns. Al- alcohol, addictions. We need to get set free from some family demons. Hello. That's powerful stuff. That's So that comes really when you deal, when you go deep, when you're saying to somebody that's anointed to, you know, can you pray with me? Can you help me? Can we walk, can you walk this through with me? And so uh, be a model, the healthy you, getting set free. Secondly, let's look at the love factor. Now, obviously we know that love is important. I believe that God has placed mothers and fathers and mentors in, lo- in our lives to really teach us um, how to drink of love. And therefore, we can easily learn how to drink of love from God. And then we can easily love God, the most important thing to do, and love others. That's the ideal. Now, um, uh, how many know that in the Greek, you know, there's the four words for love, right? We only have one in the English language. We're kind of handicapped. The four words of love, somebody shout it out. What's one of them? Agape, which is the unconditional love of God. Really, that usually is connotative of the divine love, God's love. Yes? What's another one? Phileo is the brotherly love, or it's like a friendship, brotherly love. Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. What's another one? Eros. Eros is the uh, attraction 
between a man and a woman. So romantic love, right? Romantic love. And then we've got a fourth one, lesser known, and it's called storge. Storge. S-T-O-R-G-A-E. Storge love is familial love, family love, but mostly is used to describe mother, a mother love, a mother's love to a child. Because truly, still even before the father, the mother is the first one to pour love into that child because the child is in the womb for nine months, correct? Now, um, there are three main ways that mothers communicate love to a baby. Number one is is touch. Number one is touch. Do you know, how many of you know those studies in Romania? Ever, anybody ever heard of those studies? They were sad, weren't they? Where they had like control groups of babies that were just fed and changed, but they were not given any touch, and they all died within six months. And then there was a group of Canadians that came into a Romanian orphanage of children that were newborn up to age 18 months. They walked into this room of like 30 kids this age, and it was silent. And the Canadians were so shocked because they said there was no cries, there was no sounds, and they couldn't understand, but they realized that these kids had cried, and nobody had responded to their cries, so they'd given up. Many of them, most of them, were delayed developmentally, and because there's a developmental delay that happens when we're not receiving touch. And so they were adopted into Canadian families and given lots of love. Some of them never recovered to their age level, and some of them did recover a lot. Do you know that we need touch? We do. We need touch. It's proven that we need 12 meaningful touches a day to live out the fullness of the years of our life. Go ahead, touch somebody. Come on. Healthy touch. Healthy touch. Guess what's released in your body when you get healthy touch? Very good. Endorphins. Endorphins are boost your immune system. Endorphins are good for your health. And by the way, have I said this here before? You know what else is really good for you is when you speak in tongues. That was proven in the ORU, Oral Roberts University, did a test that there's a secretion in the brain released only in glossolalia, speaking in tongues. Only in glossolalia is this certain secretion released, and it gives the body a 35 to 40% boost in the immune system. You want to be healthy? Come on. Ward off those colds and flus and even cancer cells, all right? I have my little buzzer on here. I've had this now for like two years, two and a half years. And this goes off every 10 minutes. It just kind of vibrates. And, and, I, and I praise the Lord, like except for I'm talking to conversation or preaching. But in my spirit, I'm just praising God and just worshiping. But it was Dr. Arnie Elson who, uh, from Hamburg, Germany. He came to our church years ago, a few a bit ago, and he told us about how he was a new ager, he got saved, he went to the church and tried to find out where's the healings, and they said, oh, well, it's done, you know, healings are over, and they're like, what do you mean? The Bible says people get healed, he's a new believer. And so he refused to believe that there was this cessationalist thing going on. He turned his medical practice into a prayer place. He can't charge the German government for praying for people, so he has to put out a bucket, and they give money, <clears throat> but he prays for people, and they get healed. In fact, the statistics are that he sees four terminally ill patients healed a week and 10 salvations a day. That's a lot, isn't it? And what he tells them too, he prays for them, but he says, go praise the Lord every 10 minutes. So he actually says, go, go get a buzzer, go get a timer, do whatever. Just go, if you're sick, you, you're, go praise God every 10 minutes and then come back to me in a week. That's his prescription. Go praise Jesus every 10 minutes. And guess what? I, I not, I have good health, but I was like, I like that idea. I'm going to do that. I find that that just, I find I'm so much more encouraged. I find like I'm so much more joyful. I find I'm so much more in tune to the spirit from having, from having done this now for two years, two and a half years. And so whatever works for you, but the principle is true. Set your gaze on Jesus Christ, not on your pain. Oh, I'm feeling horrible today. And well, that's a negative confession. Try to flip that into God is healing me. God is strengthening me by the stripes. I am healed the power of words. So where was I? I was in love. How did I get there? Anyways, so <laughs> love, love, love. Read 1 Corinthians 13 over and over again. Touch, yes. Eye contact. 
That's a way of communicating love. I remember hearing my husband sometimes he says, look me in the eyes. He's saying to one of our kids, look me in the eye. Don't avert my gaze. And voice intonation for a baby means so much. You can communicate so much love for, through voice intonation. How many of you have heard about the five love languages? I think there's a lot of value in that. So we've got quality time. Uh, I already told my kids tomorrow night, I'm taking them out to Dolphin Tale. It's a movie. It's a Christian. Uh, there's a few Christians in there, including Bethany Hamilton, gal who got her arm bit off by a shark. Uh, and a, um, the movie is called Soul Survivor about her, but she's in this new movie called Dolphin Tale. And I'm, I, I like to support Christian movies, okay? I think that uh, that's good, that they're coming out, and so let the Christians support them. There's more coming out this year. Exodus is one. There's a new nativity one coming out. Uh, there's been some great ones. God's not dead. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Don't see Noah. Not good. Not biblical. Uh, uh, but do see Heaven is for Real. That's another good one. I know you guys get movies later than we do, right? Have you? Have, has that hit this this part of the world? Okay. So anyways, where was I? So quality time. Touch, as I mentioned. Words of affirmation. I want to get it out in a minute. Acts of service. And gift giving. Those are ways to communicate love. I remember, you know, my mom really wasn't big on saying that she loved me, wasn't big on on touch. So I had to get some healing for that. But the one thing I will say about my mom is she communicated her love through acts of service, as in doing so much for me. You know, my clothes were always clean and ironed and my socks were knitted. And, and I later came to realize that was my mother's love language. Do you know, sometimes we can think our parents, well, you know, we, we're so critical sometimes. And, but they may be speaking a different love language than your love language. And I, re- I have one daughter, her name is Aquila. And she, I think her love, first love language must be gift giving because that's big on her agenda. And so I don't dare come home from a trip or, you know, without giving a gift to her. Do you know, it's saying that that's important. So learn the love languages, but it's so critically important that we... Love, love, love. Again, reread 1 Corinthians 13. Anybody here, don't put your hand up, have kids that are hard to love, okay? My special needs daughter is not a huggy one. She doesn't really like hugs, you know? So we have to tackle her. We have to, like, you know, wrestle her. And then she'll give in after a bit. She does some crazy stuff. Like, sometimes I've been so embarrassed in grocery stores. I've come to the point where I'm like, you know, I just don't care what people think about me anymore. It's like, you know, and I also realize that sometimes we just have to laugh. We don't laugh at her, but we have to laugh at the circumstances or situations. You know, because it's like, otherwise you're going to cry. Cry or laugh, I'd rather laugh. You know, and so it's like, just sometimes, um, I've heard Joyce Meyer say this. Joyce Meyer said that sometimes in families there'll be one child that will particularly uh, be hard for a parent or a mother, she was talking about, to love. Maybe because that child is just like them. You know, maybe because that child, I don't know, has their characteristics. Can I encourage you to push past that? Can I encourage you that um, no matter what, this is called unconditional love. But let's go on. The power of blessing. Craig Hill wrote a great book. It's called uh, Ancient Past. But I want to talk about the power of blessing. Different stages of the life where blessing is more needed. For example, conception. When there, when you know that you are pregnant, bless the baby in the womb, okay? Blessing at conception. Blessing at birth. One of the first things we did when the babies came out, put them on my chest, we love you, baby. We bless you. We bless you. It's great when you have babies dedicated at church too. At early years, school years, blessing, just speaking blessing. Puberty, that's another one. Speak blessing. want to get into this in a little bit more in a moment. In early adulthood, certainly at marriage, blessing. I hope parents, you speak blessing at those times, those these critical times in the life of a child because they each come with their own certain challenges. Now, I want to share something that, again, you may not buy into. It doesn't matter to me, but I just want to throw this out there. In the Jewish culture, there's something called the bar mitzvah. The bar mitzvah comes around age 13 at age 13. It's called a, a bar mitzvah for a boy. It's called a bat mitzvah for a girl. And what it has to do is, is a coming-of-age ceremony. And the children are very, very blessed in that ceremony. They take on new responsibility after that to be able to read the Torah and the synagogue and those sorts of things. And the Jewish culture, parents spend a lot of money on a bar mitzvah right up there with a wedding. 
Now, I think there's something to this. Jesus would have had his bar mitzvah. In other words, there's a, many cultures in the world that have a coming-of-age ceremony. Some of them are not good, okay? Some of them, even some of the African nations have to do, or Muslim nations have to do with nasty stuff. I don't even want to get into it. But I think there's something powerful to that. Now, in the Christian version, there's something that is called the Barbaraka, or the Bat Baraka. Bar Baraka, son of the blessing. Bat Baraka, daughter of the blessing. And it's really taking the Jewish culture of the Bar Mitzvah and Christianizing it. And I want to just say this. You may or may not agree with this. I don't, doesn't matter. But my husband and I have bought into this, and we have done this for each one of our children. We have one child that's 11 years old, so she hasn't reached the age of her Bar Baraka, uh, a Bat Baraka for her. But we've done this for all five of the older ones. And what it is, I remember my son, he was the first one. He was like, oh no, what's this going to be? Are you going to embarrass me? You know, he's turning 13 and he loved it. He said to us after he even wrote a part in my book about it, he said, that was such a turning point in my life. He was turning 13. Uh, we had 200 people out to his uh, Barbaraka. And what it was, you know, a time of blessing, people prophesying over him. We had some food, not a full meal, but some food. And we had even people, important people, his grandparents speak blessing into him, teachers, and, and certainly us, and people prophesied. And, and then we had like a ceremony. And my, my husband takes one of our children, these children, out ahead of time, like weeks in advance, and teaches them and says, well, this is what we're doing in this Barbaraka or Bat Baraka, and this is what we're asking of you. We're asking for a commitment of you at that ceremony that you will commit to sexual purity until marriage. We are asking you to take personal responsibility for your life in Jesus, for your pursuit of God's heart. We are asking you to a life of moral excellence and integrity and purity and a few more things. And so there's commitment. So it's actually, there's a, a serious part of it as well as a lot of fun. And then we always give gifts that are symbolic. For example, sandals or footwear of some kind, because in the Hebrew culture, uh, in biblical times, sons wore shoes, slaves wore barefoot. So it's a symbol and a change of clothes, like a changing of the guard or changing of the season, and then something in line with our gifting. For example, in our son, when he turned 13, we gave him a guitar, brand new guitar. The Lord had spoken to us. His name is Judah. And he said his name means praise and he has a worship leader anointing. He was not walking in that worship leader anointing until after his bat baraka. We gave him the guitar and I remember my husband and I would stand there and say, this is our son in whom we are well, are well pleased. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember when the heavens opened and Jesus came out of the waters of baptism and the father spoke? Had Jesus done anything at that time? Raise the dead? You know, turn the water into wine? No. He didn't do anything worth, you know, no miracles or anything. But the Father's approval, the Father's blessing of approval. Come on. There are so many young men, young women trying to find love in wrong places, trying to find approval in wrong places, trying to join a gang, trying to join some sort of club or group or whatever to feel accepted because they do not know the acceptance within where it's supposed to be in the home and in the family. And so it is, you know, this, this thing about we approve of you, we love you for who you are versus what you will become. But what we have noticed for each one of our daughters and our son after the ceremony is something changes. They go deeper in God and they wear that purity ring until marriage, and they live the life of purity. It's a commitment. Now, I want to encourage you that, again, this is not a sermon to make you feel guilty, all right? But what it is is to say, God, come and raise a standard. Come on, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a new standard in the earth. There's a new standard. There's a distinction between the world and us, and it's either, you know, we got to be full on. And so God is raising a generation of radical lovers, of burning ones, until he comes again. He's coming back for a bride on fire. He really is. And so I believe this, that God is ordaining something of a difference here than our culture. All right? We have done this for the church because we realize not every parent is preachers like we are. And so we say, look, can we help you? So we do group barbaracas and group bat baracas in our church. So that makes it easier on the parents. They don't have to necessarily do everything. We help them, but we certainly ask them to bless. And if they don't, if there's a single mother that doesn't have a father, we have men that stand in place to bless that child. 
including my husband. And so it is really, you know what? I, I feel here more than, more than place, more than us. You have a community anointing. I believe it. I think God's going to raise up a community. God's going to raise up a, like a, an anointing of, of real fellowship and, and family. And so we need to have fathers in the faith that help stand in for single mothers who are longing for their children to have the blessing of a male figure. Can I hear anybody say amen? And so it is this blessing, the son or daughter of blessing. Blessing is empowerment to succeed and cursing is empowerment to fail. Prophetic decrees. For every, I've heard this said, for every one corrective negative word a parent or mentor speaks, there should be seven words of affirmation and blessing and positive affirmation. Death and life are in the power of the, what? Right. James 3 talks so much about the power of the tongue, comparing it to a little rudder in a ship or a bit in the horse's mouth. Job twenty two twenty eight says, you will decle- declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. And Romans 4, 17, call those things that are not as though they were, are. Uh, the Lord taught me this years ago. I've certainly applied it into parenting and children. I have dec- decrees. They're in the front of my journal here. I have decrees that I decree every day over my children. Some of them are specific for them. And this is, these are decrees that are not, you know, they're, I'm not necessarily with them when I do this, but I decree things like our children are passionate lovers of God. They pursue the Lord. They live the great commandment and the great commission. They marry only who the Lord has for them. They walk in fullness of destiny. Their spouses are passionate for the Lord. Our children grow in favor with God and men. Doors for the, from the Lord open for them. They are healthy. Then I go through many different uh, specific things for each kid based on their gifting or what the Lord's told us about their gifting. But I want to say this that it is so devastating for any child or person to hear, you know, you're never going to amount to anything, you're, you're in rebellion, you're a problem, whatever. And so much more so is it the positive. Now, one of the things, uh, I homeschool my kids, but for when we were in Stratford for eight years, up to grade eight, so I still homeschooled the high school ones, but up to grade eight, there was a great Christian school, and the principal went to our church. So they went to Christian school. And in that time... Uh, we did, we, we kind of came up with this little thing that we did. Uh, they would be get, I would be getting their coats and boots on, getting them ready to get out the door for school. And I would say to them this little saying as they were going out the door, I'd say, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You will lend to many nations and never have to borrow. And everything you put your hands to is blessed. It prospers and succeeds. You're blessed and a blessing everywhere you go. The fruit of the spirit lives inside of you. You're a bootsma. You're set apart for righteousness. You will fulfill the call of God in your life, and you have favor with your teachers. You are smart, and you understand your schoolwork. Now, that became a little habit that to this day, uh, when I'm on Skype with my kids or, or with my kids at home, I will say that little saying to them. So it's become a little family tradition. Our daughter, uh, who was on a trip with some university students, she was actually leading an outreach, and I was on Skype with her, so I was saying this at the end of our conversation, you're the head, not the tail, you're above and not beneath, and one of her co-university students heard it, and they said, what, what, what is that? She said, oh, that's the blessing my mother speaks over me, and that university student said, I want, I want something like that. He ended up telling the entire class about it, and so they were like, Gabriel... <laughs> She was like telling everybody, she was leading this whole outreach. And so she's like, okay, everybody got to go to sleep. They said, Gabriel, we're not going to go to sleep until you say that blessing over us that your mother says over you. So she began to say it over them and speak it over them. And I, when I went to, uh, I met many of these classmates, they came running up to me and they said, we are now doing it over ourselves. My son, who's a father, says now he does that over his children. He's going out the door to work, and he speaks over his little three-year-old. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You will lend to many nations. And he says already he sees his three-year-old just rising so smart, and he's so confident and so knows who he is. Church, can I encourage you in the power of words? Can I encourage you mentors to speak encouragement to the people around you? Uh, can I just say that this is powerful, powerful stuff, the power of words. Intercession. I want to speak a word. It, isn't it 1230? Is it 1230 or no? It's now? Okay. Intercession, the power of prayer. Can I just say to you, 
God hears the prayers of parents and grandmothers. And I remember my, my grandmother prayed every day for my uh, uncle to get saved. And she said, even if he's on his deathbed, Lord, don't let him leave the planet without knowing you. She went to heaven, okay? Not knowing the answer to those prayers. But sure enough, my uncle on his deathbed gave his life to Jesus. He was dying of cancer. He actually got healed, lived another two years. The power of prayer. One of the things that I do, little tip, is I, um, I use the prayer of Jabez every day over my children. And I insert their names. Oh, that you would bless Judah indeed, large Judah's territory, that your hand might be with Judah, that you keep Judah from evil, that Judah may not cause pain. And on and on and on. The power of prayer. Please remember to pray for your children, your grandchildren, those in your heritage, those you mentor, it is so powerful. I spoke last night. How many were there last night? I mentioned about the power of the word of God. And I want to just reiterate the word of God into your children and to really impart a love for the word. Hearing God's voice. Has anybody here heard of Mark Verkler? He's got a series called Communion with God. Real easy way of learning how to hear God's voice. Well, I took that teaching And I downsized it to kid version and taught it as part of my homeschooling curriculum. So hearing the voice of God has been very familiar for my children. So they've grown up that way. I was sitting in the house of prayer recently with my older daughter. And I was looking over at her. She's just writing reams of stuff from God. She's just getting downloads from the Lord. And I'm like, God, please my heart. My 11-year-old sometimes needs reminding, but she journals every day. I want to encourage you to encourage your children and those you mentor to hear God's voice, to listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit, because my sheep hear my voice, they know me, they follow me. And I'm sure that you will, and I've had lots of teaching on that, but that is really important. Can I speak just a moment? Are you all, do you turn in, are you all going to fall apart on me? Are you okay? Is that accurate clock or not accurate clock? Okay. All right. (laughs) Discipline. Can I talk about that for a second? Not that I'm the expert, but there's many verses that we say about he who spares a rod hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him promptly. And diligence is man's precious possession. Can I say this? It is tough sometimes as a parent to be diligent in discipline, isn't it? It's easier to just let it go. Let me tell you, you will reap a whole bunch of problems later if you let stuff go. Come on, I'm talking to somebody here. And so if you're diligent in loving discipline, it really makes a big, big difference in the life of that child. Can I just say, I mentioned this last night, I really do have a pet peeve about over-entertainment, over-entertainment of this next generation. They are bombarded on every front, from Twitter to Facebook to uh, computer to internet stuff to gaming to movies and on and on and on and on. And what I would like to say to you is, especially when they're little, if you will cap the amount of time that they spend in entertainment, you will save yourself trouble later because we don't want them living in a virtual world and we don't want them so consumed with our culture because there's a lot of stuff that is not good out there. Come on. And so uh, it's so important to to not let, like, you know, have you ever noticed that many of the um, the people who go off in these killing tangents and shooting and whatever. Have you noticed a trend? I've noticed a trend that they all were hardcore gamers. Hardcore gamers. Hardcore gamers somehow sometimes lose sight of reality and then take a gun and shoot a real person because they're tired of doing it on a screen. And so there is such an importance to be able to guard the hearts and eyes of our children in this area of entertainment. We need tough love sometimes. I want to share a story not to, uh, you know, I just because I, I think this is, again, important. I was staying in a house. I've only, in all the years that I've traveled, I've only asked twice to stay in a different house. I was in a house of a couple. My spirit was disturbed. I couldn't sleep right. My prophetic thing was just going a bit haywire. And I was like, God, what's going on? And the Lord showed me, and then I asked them. Their son was in the house sleeping with his girlfriend in the house of these Christian leaders. They were leaders of a church. Uh, They weren't the main leaders, but they were leaders in a church. And I'm like, that's what was disturbing me. And so I said to them, I confronted them, and I said, I just want you to know I really am struggling with the fact that your son, not married, is sleeping with his girlfriend in your house. I'm in this house. I'm feeling disturbed. I think that it's allowing things into your home 
that are not good. This couple did not want to hear what I had to say. And they said to me, uh, I said, why, why do you allow it? And they said, well, if we don't allow him to sleep with his girlfriend, he'll move out. And guess what I said? Let him move out. Okay, have your boundaries. Have godly boundaries. Well, they didn't listen to me. I did move. I moved into a different house. And I know this is kind of a dramatic story, but I think it, it, it is a principle because I felt like at that time I was a kind messenger. I was coming with a message to speak to this couple. They didn't hear it. Six months later, their daughter who lived in that house dropped dead just mysteriously. She was 20 years old. It was the, the doctors didn't even have an explanation. They said, we're just going to, they called it adult sudden death syndrome. You know how you have kid, kid death syndrome, caught death or whatever. They said, there's no explanation. And so I'm not saying that God's going to strike you dead. Okay. If you love, but I am saying that I believe that I was a kind messenger that was not heard and a cruel messenger came because there was stuff allowed in the house. Do not allow satanic music in your house. Do not allow ungodly movies in your house. It affects the atmosphere, affects the spiritual climate of your house. And God is wanting homes of holiness and purity and righteousness. So sometimes it's called tough love. Come on. I'm talking to somebody today. Again, all problems go to Phil and Heather, okay? But I know <laughs> I know it's God. Now, let's talk for a moment about letting go, dating, marriage. Um, I just want to say this, that again, the biblical standard and the world standard are different. Can we just talk for one minute about biblical dating versus cultural dating, modern dating? Biblical dating was this, that a young man would go through the family, the father or the family, in order to pursue a girl with the intentions of marriage. And there was always commitment before any level of intimacy. And there was a walking through a relationship in the context of family, in the context of, of you know, input from the family, especially the father. Now, uh, there was... Um, you know, again, for the purpose of marriage, modern dating kind of goes along the lines of this. Well, we'll just hook up with somebody and have some fun and, and have a fling and, and intimacy precedes commitment. And you might have maybe four or five breakups before you might find the right person that you think, oh, I went through all those people to find out maybe what I liked. And, and so it's kind of like a little few, few mini divorces, if you will, before you supposedly hook up with somebody, right? If you look at our movies, you can sleep together with somebody in the first day that you meet them. And it's part of cultural, almost normal. And it is not in any way supervised by a family. It's the family, the father might not even know if this child is dating somebody. It's very much individual, what feels right, what you want to do. And it is outside the context of family. That standard really came into being when the car was invented. When the car wasn't invented, it came to be where some guy would pick up a girl, take them away, as opposed to where there was a lot of family involvement. Now, I want you to know that I did things the wrong way. I had loads of boyfriends. I broke hearts and I had my heart broken. I was looking for love in wrong places. And all the while, I was—I knew there was a better way, but I didn't know what it was because it wasn't modeled to me and I never saw it in my culture. And all the while, I remember crying out to God one day when I finally broke up a three and a half year relationship with some guy that I knew, finally God gave me a dream. And the Lord spoke to me and he said uh, that he had something better for me. And I actually, now I know that this story is not everybody's story. Please hear me because there's, it happened with both of us. But anyways, God gave me the name of the man I was going to marry. He said, his name is John. I said, John who? His name is John Bootsman. I never met a John Bootsman, but when I met him, I'm like, good looking guy. We started uh, going out, but then I still had all these unhealed hurts to deal with, which I did. But I've been married for 24 years to an amazing man. Now we have taught our children this. We said, we do not want you dating all these different people. We want you saving yourself for one that God has for you. We want you to know that there is a better way. And so uh, we want you hanging out in groups, have friends, but we are saying to you, we don't want you dating. And as soon as some young man pursues you to say he wants to date you, we want him going through us. He's got to come through us. Ask our permission to take you on a date. Now, that was actually part of our Baparak as well. All our children, so I have a 21, sorry, 23-year-old, 21-year-old, 19-year-old, 
and then the 16, 14, 11. They have abided by this rule. My son took a Nazarite vow all through his high school years. Extremely handsome young man, six foot six, blonde, very good looking. And I would walk the streets with him. I remember he's in his high school years. And these girls would be like, oh. And I would notice that my son would not notice them. I, I thought, that's God. That is God's protection over my son, that he's not even enamorated with these beautiful girls. And so it was because he had a Nazarite vow to be consecrated and separated for those years of his life. He ended that Nazarite season. He was in Hill, Hillsong. He was in IHOP for a while. He was in Hillsong. He was in music college in Australia. While he was gone, we hired a children's worker in our, in our children's. She's a former YWAMer. He came home from Hillsong. Two days later, met her, and he said, she is going to be my wife. And we're like, ah, we didn't know we hired our daughter-in-law. You know, it was just like, but the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream, he said, this is me. This is right. This is your future daughter-in-law. When they began to, uh, I remember we had this thing. We're saying, Judah, how about kissing? No kissing until marriage. He said, mom, dad, can we compromise kissing at engagement? We said, okay, we'll make a compromise. So he held to that first kiss was on engagement, first date, uh, he had never dated anybody, first girlfriend, first, when he got married, of course, first everything. When we performed his wedding ceremony and looked at that marriage, we said, this God is a standard that you want to raise in the earth. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here today. Now, I have been forgiven. I didn't, I didn't do it that way. I messed up, messed up, messed up. But God forgave me and there is forgiveness and there is redemption. Now we have two, we have five beautiful daughters. Our two next beautiful daughters have just this year had men pursue them. And I'll say this, that we have prayed so hard. We pray every day for the people that our men, our daughters will marry. This young man who I had known because I'd seen him in, um, uh, leadership, prayer, international prayer leadership summits. This young man is 28 years old, and he started 75 houses of prayer in Mexico. Mike Bickle asked him to come to Kansas City, so he's being mentored by Mike Bickle in Kansas City, and he's one of the leaders in the, in the senior leadership team in Kansas City. And he came to, he met my daughter on Valentine's Day of this year, and on the day he met her, he started a 40-day fast for her. He said, God, this has got to be my wife. He fasted for 40 days. On day 41, he told her that he liked her. She said, you got to go through my parents, which he did. I was in Australia. He got on Skype with me in Australia. I said, Pastor Bootsma, I'm asking permission. And you know, the Lord had already spoken to me. He said, this is the man. And so they are dating with, a, with the intention of marriage. He's an extraordinary, he just spoke last Sunday in Catch the Fire London and did an incredible job. And I'm thinking, this young man that I've prayed 21 years for is top shelf guy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But my daughter had so many people ask her out. She always said, no, no, no. And then the next daughter is now 19 and she's been pursued by uh, an amazing worship leader from France. He's actually an IHOP U, though, fourth year. His family built houses of prayer. And stellar young man, worship leader, incredible man. Same thing. She's so beautiful. She had some guy travel from Edmonton to Kansas City to ask her to go out on a date. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. He brought her maple syrup and everything, you know. And, and she said, sorry, no. Didn't go out with him because the Lord had her way. I'm trying to say there's a better way, church. I'm not trying to say, oh, the bootsman is a perfect. No, but I am saying this. God taught us this years ago. Teach your children not to just have their hearts broken or break other hearts. There is a biblical standard that is confronting the standard of the world that God is raising on the earth to say there is a higher way. And so I'm not here to bring guilt trips. I'm not here to say that whatever, but I am here to say that there's forgiveness, there's redemption, but God wants to raise the bar. What we need to do is sometimes, many times, we need to forgive ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves, and we need to forge ahead. He's a God of redemption. He's a God of redemption, and he's raising up radical lovers. He's raising up burning ones in the earth today. Let's all stand. Do we have the worship team come back for a little bit? Father, we love you. We extol your worth. We say that you are worthy of excellence. And I'm asking God for excellence, excellence, excellence here. God, we ask for excellence. Ho, ho, ho.
in the name of Jesus, through the power of the blood of Jesus. And I just want to encourage parents here today, pray for your children. Pray for your children. I see the Lord bringing prodigal sons and daughters home to Jesus. Pray for your children. Pray for your children because God is moving in the land and God is bringing salvation. There is a redemption. Do not take this and have a guilty conscience. Ask God to restore. Ask God to renew. Ask God to heal. Ask God to touch your children. Ask God to touch those you mentor. You know, I, I had the thought earlier, I know I did this last night, but I had the thought to have a fire tunnel. I honestly have to say I don't know that I can stay for much of it because we need to go to the airport. But can I have your leaders? Can you have your leaders come? Because I just want to pray. Can we get the kids to go through the fire tunnel? Yeah? Kids, are you guys up for it? Maybe go through the fire tunnel with your kids. Let's, let's pray for the raising up of burning ones in this house. Let's pray for the raising up of radical, fiery moms, dads, and yeah, come on. Let's pray for a new standard in the earth. Jesus, we ask that of you. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would raise the bar, God. God, raise up burning ones in these young people. Raise up fiery ones. God, let them love you with a singleness of focus. Let them be passionate for you, passionate for you, lovers of Jesus. Father, we pray that you would raise up families, God, that raise a standard. Raise marriages here, God. Model marriages. Come, Jesus, come. Fill them with the glory of God. Fill them with the fire of your presence. Come, Jesus. Break through. Let every, everybody come through the fire tunnel, not just if you're a kid. Anybody. Lord, let your fire fall. Let your glory shine around, we ask. More, Jesus, more. Go ahead, Mike.